The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. Today's message is the seventh sermon in our series on the book of Haggai. In this message, we felt led to go back and review some things that we had already talked about in dealing with the message of encouragement that God sent through Haggai. A couple of sermons ago, we dealt with the first message of encouragement that God sent through Haggai, which was to look upward, that is, look to him, look to God. Today is a review of the second message of encouragement that God sent through Haggai, where he told them when they're struggling to look inward and see if there's sin that needs to be dealt with and stir up that faith that they received in the new birth and make it stronger through exercising it and looking to him and trusting his promises. And while this message may seem like somewhat of a repeat from the last time, I believe that the Lord was leading us to review those things that we might have a deeper understanding of what we need to be doing when we face discouragement in our lives. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. suppose the reason I like Haggai so much is that I identify so well with the children of Israel 
in this book. I don't want to spend too much time reviewing, but you recall that the setting of the book of Haggai is after the return to Jerusalem from the Babylonian captivity. The children of Israel have been in captive in Babylon for 70 years, and now the, king, the, the Babylonians have been conquered by the Persians, and the Persian king has allowed them to go home with the express order from God to rebuild the temple. And, of course, they go back there, and they start building the temple, and then they get stopped because of opposition. And instead of pursuing it further, they let it lie there. And they go about their own business, and they begin to focus upon their own things. And for, you know, there's, a, there's an, I always say when I go there that, that it's, it's understandable that they stopped because the king issued an order for them to stop. It was a new king. But the problem is they just gave up. They didn't just stop and, and say, Lord, help us. Let's, let's pray that we can get this started again and let's make efforts toward rebuilding this temple. They stopped and they quit and they began to focus upon their own personal lives. And they began to focus upon their personal homes. And, and their day-to-day -day lives took over. And the next thing you know, not through open rebellion, but simply through sheer neglect, they got out of the will of God. And here's the problem with becoming complacent. When you're complacent, you really don't think about the passage of time. So guess what happened? Time passed. And 15 years or so passed. And after 15 years, as I always say when I go back into this book, think about what happens in 15 years. A one-year-old becomes a 16-year-old. A 15-year-old becomes a 30-year-old. A whole generation grows up and moves out and gets out on their own with no real understanding of what the kingdom of God is all about and what the public worship is supposed to be. And so after 15 years, along comes Haggai and also Zechariah, by the way, but we're in the book of Haggai. And you recall that what he did is he stirred the people up through the message of God. He was a prophet of God. He had a message from God. He said, is it time for you to be dwelling in your sealed houses? He says in verse 4 of chapter 1, to be dwelling in your sealed houses while this house lies waste. The house of God was lying waste and being neglected, but they were living large in the land of Israel. They were living well over there because they focused on their own things. Now listen, God expects us to work. He said, if a man won't work, neither shall he eat. He expects us to provide for our families. He expects us to, to do what we need to do to take care of our homes. But what he does not expect us to do is to place that first. In, in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, as he concludes this, the great Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave us the primary marching orders as a disciple that we ought to have. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, I've heard Brother Buddy say this, and I repeat it often now. He didn't say, praise God. He didn't say, seek ye only the kingdom of God. He knew we'd have to work. He knew we'd have to engage in commerce. He knew that we would have some social activities. That would, it's okay to have friends. It's okay to go to a movie as long as it's not a bad movie. It's okay to go to a sporting event as long as that sporting event doesn't take priority over the kingdom of God. I hunt a little bit. <laughs> Enjoy hunting. But I know people that only hunt during hunting season. 
You don't see them in church. They're going to be in the woods. <laughs> There's not going to be any, any focus on the kingdom of God. And hear what they were doing. They were focusing upon their own things. So you remember the story here, and I don't want to, again, belabor it too much, but Haggai preached, <laughs> and three weeks later, the people got to work. That's a pretty successful preacher, I would say. If, if, I could, if there was a problem in Zion Church, and I could get up here and preach to you all and say, you need to be doing this differently, and in three weeks' time, I saw that you were doing that differently, I'd feel pretty good about that. By the way, let me just say this. I appreciate all the financial help that you give me as a church. I do so much, and, and, and that's a part of your duties, and I, I get that, and you, you, you treat me well, Brother Buddy is mentioned it, that, that, that y'all are very good to me and to Brother Buddy, but, uh, but I'll say this about that. If you really want to make a preacher, a pastor, feel good, I appreciate the, the, the money. I appreciate when somebody walks up and gives me a $20 bill or something. I appreciate that. But if you really want to make a pastor feel good, take heed to his words when he's preaching you the Word of God. Take heed. To, there's nothing that makes me. I've had people hand me a $20 bill or even more at different times. And I, again, I appreciate that. But I'll tell you what, I've also had people come up to me and say, Preacher, you help me. You help me see that I need to do something differently in my life. You help me see that the Word of God points me in this direction and not that direction. That is the thrill of a lifetime for a preacher. Hey, guy, I know he was thrilled. <laughs> When they began to obey. And then as we got over into the second chapter, we saw that Haggai then begins to preach um, uh, another message to them, a, a second message. And in the first uh, seven verses, I believe it is, the first nine verses, um, we see that um, he had to start encouraging them because already as they started the work, very short period of time, just a, just a short um, a month or so into the work, they began to get discouraged. You know, I always tell people, be careful that you, you don't think that I've joined the church and now all my problems are going to be over with. No, sometimes when you join the church, that's when the devil really gets after you and you might see discouragement. Just be prepared. The, the, when you get back to work, when you get to work in the kingdom of God, there's going to be assaults from outside. There's going to be discouragement from inside. That's the worst part. And that's what we saw happen here, that these, some of these older men who had been children and seen the first temple, had, had looked at the foundations of the new temple. And, and, they, and they, when they saw it, we're told back in the book of Ezra, they wept. And we wonder, well, why did they weep? Were they weeping with joy? Well, according to Haggai, they were weeping because they saw the difference in the new temple and the old temple. That old temple was glorious and huge. It was amazing. But the new temple was much smaller. It was a much smaller scale. It was not going to be as grand and glorious as the first temple. And they were, they were discouraged. You know, we talked about living in the good old days. Living in the good old days can discourage you. You say, well, I remember the time, Brother Chris, when the church house was full. <laughs> and now all we have is half the people that are here. Well, 
I wish the church house were full too, and I pray towards that, and I'm not giving up that it can't be full. I'm not admitting that it can't be. I believe the kingdom of God is on the rise in this part of the country, and we've seen it, a bit. We've seen it revive in this part of the country over the past 10 years, but be that as it may, I'm also not going to live in the past and say, oh, it'll just never be like it was in the good old days. My daddy used to always say them good old days wasn't all that good, <laughs> if you really think about it. <laughs> But, but they were trying to live in the good old days. But you know what? You remember, the, you remember the great encouragement that Haggai, that God gave them through Haggai? He said in verse 7, he said, verse 9, I'm sorry, of chapter 2, he said, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. I love that. Brother Mackey, he was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ is going to walk in this temple. I don't care how much gold and silver and precious metals adorn the walls and the, and the, and the, uh, the, the, the roof of that other temple. I'm telling you, the new temple here that they were building, as small and dinky as it may be in comparis comparison to the old temple, was going to be the most glorious building that they had ever built because the Lord Jesus Christ was going to walk in this temple. He said, in this place I give peace. The word peace is shalom. You remember Genesis 49? We preached on that not too long ago. Shiloh, Shiloh, the peacemaker, is coming. And then last time, we got to the, basically the third uh, and the fourth messages. Now that, that first, that, that second message there in chapter 2 from verses 1 through 9 were essentially God telling them, hey, when you get discouraged, look upward. Look upward. And then in verse 10 of chapter 2, uh, we began to see that God said, when you're having problems, you also need to look inward. Look inward. And remember what he said. He, he asked two questions there. In verse, uh, let's just begin reading in verse 10. We're not going to completely go back through this, but I want, to, I want to review. In the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priests answered and said, No. In other words, if you've got, if you're, if you've got some... Uh, uh, some part of the sacrifice that has been blessed and is holy, considered to be holy flesh, and you go walking through the congregation and, and you, touch, uh, you touch somebody with it or they walk by and touch it, does that make them holy? And the answer is no. And then verse 13, Haggai asks a second question. If one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. In other words, uh, you, you can't be made holy by those, those sacrifices, but you can mess those sacrifices up. <laughs> that holy flesh can't make you holy, but your unholy flesh can make it defiled, you see. Now, here's what he's saying. This, this first seven, this verses 10 through 17 are really a message about sin. And he's saying to them, when you're having problems in church particularly, or in this case in the temple, in your public worship, then you need to sometimes look inward and see, are you the problem? When, when you, for instance, uh, let's make it, make it applicable to us. Uh, there's certainly times when the church is the problem. 
There certainly are times when you need to change churches, okay? There's no doubt about that. There are times when the church, especially if the church is preaching doctrine that's false or doctrine that's corrupted or, or doctrine that's just wrong and they're not doing it necessarily out of any impure motive, but they just don't know any better, you need to find a church that does. But when all other things are the same and you start coming to church and you say, it just doesn't feel like it used to. Mm, I just, I just don't, I just don't, just don't feel that that same feeling when I come to church. Well, first of all, let me just reaffirm to you that that the worship of God is not about feeling. <laughs> it's not about feeling. I, I didn't really feel like coming to church tonight. <laughs> I, I thought, well, I don't know. I'd sew up in a turmoil, you know, and it was kind of, uh, I tell you, you, there's nothing that'll throw you off as a preacher like getting out of your routine. <laughs> and I'm getting out of my routine, and I'm not going to get to come in here. I'm not going to get to visit, and I'm, uh, what do I do? And I'm, so here I am praying God just take over, and I hope and pray he has, and that we're here and feeling the Spirit. I at least feel the Spirit here. I don't know if I'm able to convey it. But I'll tell you this, I didn't feel like it, what do you do when you don't feel like doing what God said? Well, you do it anyway. You do it anyway. It's like love. Love is not about your feeling. I, I am, my heart does leap when I see my bride. I, and when I first met her, even before, you know the story, I, I, I loved her from afar for a long time before she even knew I really existed, you know. But, but, but my heart went pitter-pat, yes. And, and there was an attraction there. There was an emotional attraction there, but love is not about an emotional attraction because guess what? After about three kids and one's 17 or 18 months old and one's a newborn, you know, she didn't look, with me, look at me with the same pitter-pat goes her heart feeling. <laughs> there were times she'd look at me like, why aren't you getting up and going in there? And You know, there were some bad feelings from time to time. But what do we do? Say, oh, well, uh, we've lost that loving feeling. We're just going to go our separate ways, right? No, that's not what love's all about. Love's not a feeling. Love's not an adjective. It's a verb. It's an action. And that's what he's talking about, loving your enemies. You know, people come to me sometimes and they say, preacher, my marriage is falling apart. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not in love with my wife or I'm not in love with my husband anymore. What do I do? Well, love her anyway. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't feel that. That's okay. You don't love, you don't feel love toward your enemies either, do you? But God said, love your enemies. What do he mean by that? Go running up to them and kiss them all over the face and hug them up tight and every time. No, he said, treat them right. Treat them right. Do right. Proverbs 16.3 is a great hopeful verse of mine in the Bible that I cling to a lot. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. You know what that means? That means do what God said anyway and eventually your thought life will come back around. I just don't feel like reading his word. I just can't understand it. Well, read it anyway. Well, my thoughts are all jumbled up when I read. Well, read it anyway, and eventually God will help you in your studies. So, you see, that's so coming back to the church um, and, and what this is teaching, there may be times when church doesn't feel right to you. You ever gotten up in the morning and you just don't feel like going to church? You may go to church and you may leave that, that, that particular meeting and say, you know, it just wouldn't. The same this Sunday as it was last Sunday. Well, the first place you look is not out there. It's in here. It's in here. 
Number one, you got to be here. <laughs> Number one, you got to be here. He said, well, church doesn't feel the same as it used to. Well, have you, have you been coming like you used to? <laughs> you know, that, that's important. Be here, you know. But also remember that, that there may be something going on inside you. Now, now let me stop here and say, let me, let me reaffirm to you that I'm not giving you a test here to determine whether you're a child of God or not. This is not what Haggai's doing. He's not saying, hey, if you've got a lot of habitual, unconfessed sin in your life, you just might not be a child of God. I have some friends who believe the doctrines of grace who would say to you that the only way you can possibly be a child of God is if you ultimately persevere in good works. I, my response to them is go talk to Lot when you get to heaven. Go talk to Lot. If you remember Lot, the last time we saw him in this, in this world, he was in a cave in fear, drunk, committing unspeakable sins with his daughters. He sure didn't look like he was persevering in good works, did he? But I'll tell you what Peter says. Peter says he was a just man, and his soul was righteous. He, was a, he is a child of God. He's in heaven. So if you're a child of God, you're going to heaven. But in the meantime, we need to be serving him because of what he's done for us. So what Haggai is saying here is when the time comes that you're struggling in the kingdom of God, you're struggling in the work of the Lord, you need to turn your thoughts inward and say, hey, is there something in my life that is continually, you know, I'm not talking about the little sins that pop up here and there. I'm talking about, you, you know what I'm talking about. All of us have probably two or three, maybe three or four, maybe as many as five habitual sins that continue to afflict us. For example, somebody said, well, I got a short temper. That's just the way God made me. No, Adam made you that way. God didn't make you that way. God gave you a way to do better. But that may be your problem. You may, you may have to blow off steam. You may have to uh, snap at people. You may feel like you've got to say curse words or something. Maybe cursing is your, is your problem. Maybe, you know, that used to be my problem. I've told you that. It was a real problem. And listen, when it's ever been a problem, it's always a problem, okay? I'm not, don't, don't take it that, oh, well, he's conquered it and it's gone. No, even, even this old preacher struggles with it and has to continually keep his foot on that human nature. Uh, Brother Armand Rich used to say that the human nature was like a spring. You put your foot on it and you hold it down, but the minute you take your foot off of it, it'll pop right back up where it was. He says... If one bears holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, in other words, you're going through the rituals, you're doing all the things, but there's something going on inside you. You may need to deal with that in order for your fellowship with the Lord and your service to him to be profitable. See, sin can make our service vain. Holiness here, what he's saying here is holiness cannot be transferred, but defilement can. Think about it. A healthy man isn't contagious. A sick man is contagious. The, one, the righteousness is not contagious, but sin is. He's always talking about it being like leaven. And if you go back to Numbers and Deuteronomy and Exodus, but primarily Numbers and Deuteronomy, you're going to find that, that in that day, they had a literal, visible example of that. Uh, for example... Numbers chapter 19 and verse 22. He's dealing with unclean persons, persons that have been exposed to unclean uh, 
stuff in their lives. He says, Whatsoever the unclean person toucheth shall be unclean, and the soul that toucheth it shall be unclean until even. In other words, the uncleanness transfers. And, and what he's saying here is a holy ritual performed with unconfronted, unjudged sin in your life cannot make you holy. Church attendance, something you need to do. Giving, you ought to give. Increasing your religious focus, absolutely, but they're vain if sin is continuing in your life. Now, again, I'm not talking about the fact that we're sinners, but I'm talking about something, you know, are you, are you an angry man? And is anger prevalent in your life? You need to deal with that. Because just coming to church isn't going to fix that. Just giving to the church. Well, I wrote my check to the church. I'm done. This No, it's a daily struggle. And, and if you don't deal with it, you're, now, now it's not, I don't want to discourage you either because I have the same struggles with, all, with, with certain sins in my life. And there are times I don't feel worthy to come to church. I don't feel like I should be here. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't not come to church. Don't quit coming to church because you're having trouble struggling with some habitual sin. But my point is you deal with that sin. You and God confess your sins to him. That's not going to get you to heaven, but boy, it's going to make you feel better here. Sin contaminates everything it touches, according to verse 13 there. Remember in Galatians, I think it's 5 and verse 9, he says, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And sin will separate you from fellowship with God. You remember the prodigal son? He was always a child of, God, of his father. He was a son, but he was down there in the hog pen having no fellowship with his father. We need to remember that. Sin, what, Isaiah 59, I believe it is in verse 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and God. That's not an Armenian verse. <laughs> that's, not, that's not an Armenian verse telling you to get right with God. That's a good old primitive Baptist verse. That's a good old verse for anybody who believes the truth of grace that says you need to, you need to separate yourself not from God, but from your iniquities. I know it's a struggle you'll never win but it's a struggle you need to engage in every day. Because you see, verses 15 through 17, and we won't reread them, but you can sometime. God's reminding them there. He said, you consider what happened. You consider all the, the you know, back in the first chapter, he told us that uh, you look for much and it came to little. And when he brought it home, I blew up on it. You know, I don't care how strong your storehouse is. If God blows up on your stores, it's going to be blown away. And then we see, and last time, a message about faith. Look at verses 18 and 19. Consider from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day will I bless you. In other words, he says, first of all, you need to look upward. You need to look to me. I'm sin my, my son is coming here. And then he says you need to look inward, okay? And when you're looking inward, you need to deal with sin. But you also need to stir up faith. He says, I know all these problems have existed in the past, but now you need to think about it uh, from this day forward. From this day forward. Now, this was going to be about December. So they weren't ready to plant the seed, and they weren't ready to reap the crops and reap the harvest yet. 
They had just plowed the fields for the winter crops. But Haggai says you can trust God to do what he promised. Even when you don't see it growing in the ground, you can trust him for the harvest. Mark it down from this day forward. I'll bless you. Here's what Haggai said. He said, okay, you've seen what happens when you don't do what God says. Now you see what's happening when you do what God says. And I want you to have a new perspective on life. I want you to look forward. I want you to look inside yourself and stir up that faith that has been given to you in the new birth. And remember that from this day forward, God will bless you, which will give you a new perspective on the circumstances of life. Here's the whole point. You can mark it down if God said it. If God said it, you can mark it down. You remember what he said in... uh, first chapter of Isaiah, he said, if you do well, you'll eat the good of the land. If not, you'll experience the curses on the land. That's a, that's a here and now promise. That's not a, I'll, I'll get to heaven one day if I just do right. No, you're, you're never going to do that much right. But that's a, that's a promise here and now that if you'll, if you'll do what he says, and if you'll serve him like he says serve him, God is going to bless you. Now, this is not the prosperity gospel, okay? I didn't say he was going to bless you with money. I didn't say he was going to bless you with a new car or a new house or pay your mortgage off. That's not the promise that's so important. The promise is not prosperity or riches or easy living. The promise is what he said back in Haggai chapter 1 and verse 13 when he said, I am with you, saith the Lord. That promise is the key promise in the life of a child of God. I I get to feeling alone sometimes. I get to feeling like I'm the lone ranger out there and nobody's with me. But when I recall to my mind that God said, I am with thee, then I can face all the problems of life. You know, the the world says, here's your two options. You can sink or you can swim. That's the two options the world gives you, sink or swim. And so many times I'm out there swimming just as hard as I can, trying to make it in this world so my head doesn't go under. I feel like I'm drowning in this world. You know what Peter experienced when he kept his eyes on Jesus? When he stepped out of the boat, he walked right on the top of the water. As long as he had his eyes on Jesus. Isaiah says in one place, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Now that means, in, you know, you can have that kind of peace in the, in the hospital room. You can have that kind of peace at the funeral home. I've told you the story of losing dad a couple of years ago. Now look, there are days still I miss him terribly. I, every day I miss him terribly. But, but I, don't, I don't pine away with no hope. I'm thankful he's where he is. The best day of his life was the day he died. And the day he died, as we stood there seeing the last breath pass from his body, my brother and I were able to say hallelujah because we knew something greater was going on here than what we were just seeing. You know why? I am with thee, saith the Lord. He told Abraham in Genesis 15 and verse 1, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He told Isaac in Genesis 26 and verse 24, Fear not, for I am with thee. 
He told Jacob in Genesis 28 and verse 13, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. And in verse 15 of that same chapter, he said, I am with thee. Haggai said to these discouraged children of Israel, he said in verse 4 of chapter 2, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Why? For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. He tells us through the writing of the Apostle Paul, I believe, who wrote, I believe he wrote Hebrews. In chapter 13 and verse 5, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, I want, I want you to think about the feeling you've had when a friend or a parent or a brother or a sister or, or anyone you can think of just showed up and was there with you and what a comfort it was. And then I want you to think, of, I want you to multiply that by 10,000 times 10,000 times unlimited numbers of times. And think about how we ought to feel knowing God is with us. God is with us. And I, that gripped me in a way this year that it hadn't in a long time. Thinking about all the problems of life. All the losses that we experience in this world. All the troubles we have. But all we really need is Jesus Christ to be with us in our troubles. I want my troubles fixed. I want, them, I want the winds and the waves to be calmed. And sometimes he does that. But always he comes to us. And he, if, if, if he doesn't calm the storm, he climbs into our little boat with us. In fact, he was always there. We may think he was asleep in the hinder part of the ship. We may think he's not there, but he is right there, and he rides out the storms of life with us. You know, that's a sweet promise. That's a promise that trumps everything uh, Joel Osteen or any other uh, promoter of this prosperity gospel could ever come up with. $10,000 can't match what the Lord Jesus Christ has given us in his presence with us. We can't see everything that God is doing, but we can walk in faith trusting him. And we can trust that he is always on our side. Elijah didn't remember that, but God reminded him of that. And when God came to him and got through with him, he left that juniper tree behind. And then one day he was carried home to glory on a flaming chariot. <laughs> I love that. God is with me. When you're struggling in this world, when you're struggling in church, when you're struggling at home, look inside. If there's sin there, deal with it. Confess it. Work on it. Put it aside. And stir up the faith that's inside you that has been placed there by the new birth. Because you see, God is always with you. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. 
If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.